0: You're listening to the Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to our message today, and that we hope you check us out online at Tahlequahumc.org. I wanted to join you in your homes because I know some of you are sitting comfortably on your couches with your cups of coffee and maybe a donut or two, and I'm not even on yet. Yeah, I am. I'm on. So I brought my cup of coffee to join you as you have your cup of coffee listening to the sermon today. And so I want to um, kind of get ourselves centered in, for today. And if you remember, we're doing this sermon series called The Short Stories of Jesus. And we're looking at the. It's a really good book written by um, Amy Jill Levine. Uh, she is a um, professor of New Testament there in Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. And I would encourage you to pick up the—actually, I would really encourage you to pick up the Participant's Guide. If you want some like deep reading and, and, and you feel comfortable with deep theological language, then yeah, pick up the regular book. Um, but the Participant's Guide is definitely the uh, easier read out of the two. Trust me, it's, it's, I've looked at both. Um, and um, I would much rather read the Participant's Guide than read the, um, the real book, because it's kind of like going back to seminary. I had seminary flashbacks, and it's been 10 years, but yet I had some seminary flashbacks as I was reading that. But in, in the introduction, she reminds us of three things that I want us to think about every time we dive in into one of these short stories. She says, Reducing parables to a single meaning destroys their aesthetic as well as their ethical potential. This surplus of meaning is how poetry and storytelling work, and it is all to the good. The second thing that she reminds us is, what makes the parables mysterious or difficult is that they challenge us to look at the hidden aspects of our own values in our lives. And then the third thing that she reminds us of is that we might be better off thinking less about what they mean and more about what they can do, remind, provoke, refine, comfort, or disturb. And so with those three things in mind, let us center ourselves in the reading today. But before we do, let us pray. Holy Savior, as we hear the familiar story of the Good Samaritan, read and preach. Give us ears to hear anew your word to us. We open our hearts to receive your timeless truths, not merely to give an intellectual assent, but to be challenged by what we hear and by experiencing your presence with us, In this time, in this space, and all of us gathered, said, Amen. I'm not one for biblical headers. Um, I think that they can um, distort the story because when you see what it is, you're going to be like, you already kind of feel like you know what it's going to be about. But I love how the Common English Bible gives a header for this particular story. They don't call it the Good Samaritan. They call it Loving your neighbor. So here are these words from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho he encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now, it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by the spot and saw the injured man, and he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan who was on the journey came to where the man was but when he saw him he was moved with compassion the samaritan went to him and and bandaged his wounds tending to them with oil and wine then he placed the wounded man on his donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him the next day he took two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper he said take care of him And when I return, I will pay you back for any additional cost. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered the thieves? Then the legal expert said, The one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told the lawyer, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. This week, as I was reading the parable, those three things I've asked you to consider when we're listening to these these parables, or as you're reading these parables, came to mind. And and we really can't reduce these parables to a simple meaning. I think when we do, when we try to find the small meaning of it, it, it loses the fruitfulness that can be. And so as, we, as, as I was diving into these readings today, this week, it, it just, like, these three things came to mind. The first, and we think about how the, the, the lawyer came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? they have this banter back and forth, and Jesus does a really great thing. Jesus teaches in the way that they would have taught back then, and, and, and said, I don't know what do you think. You know, he literally flipped the question on him, and said, what do you think? What do you, what, how have you read scripture? And I think that that's a good question for us. How do we read scripture? How often do we say, well, the Bible says, and we don't even really know what the Bible says. We, we don't pay attention to Scripture and, and understand that when Jesus is referring to Scripture, he's, he's only really referring to those first couple books, those first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. I know I forgot one. Numbers. Probably a few more. Just correct me if I'm wrong there on, on uh, social media because that's what it's good for. But they would have known this. Like, this would have been their Bible. So it would have been a little bit easier to reference, wouldn't it? They don't have 66 books. They, don't have, uh, they didn't have 8 billion different translations. But how we read Scripture matters, and, and actually reading it. I can't tell you how often when I've gotten into a conversation with per, uh, a person that they haven't read Scripture. They just knew what it said on a bumper sticker or a t shirt. And so they only knew the, the one liner. They didn't really fully know the whole story. But when Jesus asked the lawyer, How do you interpret Scripture? The lawyer gives us a solid scripture. You must love your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your being, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, the little, yeah, got it right. But it didn't stop there, did it? As most good conversations do. But he, the, the legal expert really wanted to prove that he was right. He really really wanted to prove that he knew his stuff. Or, like, you know, sometimes this is preached as we want, he wanted to trap Jesus to set him up. Well, I don't think that's the case. I really wanted to think that he wanted to prove this rabbi wrong. Because I can't tell you how many times people have tried to prove the pastor wrong in the midst of a conversation. And a good rabbi will let you know when they're wrong. So he said, yeah. And the lawyer said, well, who's my neighbor? Trying to trip up Jesus again. Jesus tells a story. And, and in the story, we see this thing like, we have no clue who this man really was, do we? Like, w- when we think about this story, we think about this story as like a poor man or, or someone who didn't have the means to, to be on the road, the Jericho Road, which was a road that everybody knew in that time, and, and a road that was known for violence, a road that, that had some problems. And so he goes down this road, and obviously thieves struck him and, and leave him for dead, and, and in walks the characters of the story. And I think we can learn some things from these three characters of the story. The first is that sometimes religious people will screw up. And it doesn't matter what denomination or affiliation they have. Sometimes they will miss the point of loving their neighbor. And they'll move on down the road. But the Samaritan, a good Jew, did what he knew was right by the law. And I think sometimes we, we see the Samaritans as this other group of people. No, they're like, they're like our distant. they would be kind of a different denomination within Judaism at the time. And so here walks the, this, this Samaritan and he takes care of the guy. Not only does he take care of the guy, but, but like we can learn a lot from how he does it. He doesn't just say, hey, here's a couple coins, good luck. He loves for them and cares for them. And I believe this is how the Samaritan interpreted Scripture. He wanted to show what love looked like. What the love of the neighbor looked like. The second thing that, that kind of stuck with me as I was reading this parable this week is that we need to be able to be, go, and do. And I know I've said this before. I've said this many times over my life. But this, is, this was comes out of this, like, sermon series that I heard many years ago from um, the United Methodist Church that put out this, like, three-week sermon series on be, go, and do. But, like, as I read the scripture, it couldn't help me, but how can we be available to those people along the road that we walk? How can we go where we are called? Especially in the midst of a pandemic, how can we go safely to the people we are called to, to love and to serve, even our neighbor and how can we do likewise and live like Jesus encourages us to? I think of Be, Go, and Do, and I'm reminded of this story. And maybe I've told this, maybe you've heard this. But when I was in high school, my senior year of high school, it was, April, it was spring break, And my youth group got this wise idea to go take a tour of oklahoma city university because that's what you do at that time in the methodist church you would go see the methodist institution you'd take a tour and then we were going to go to the omniplex i was so excited about going to the omniplex which is now the science museum of oklahoma for those of you uh, that know that but i was really excited i could care less about going to see Oklahoma City University. I had a tour there in two weeks when I was doing an audition because it was my senior year and I was auditioning to go to school there. But on our way down, we were on the other side of Chandler, kind of in between uh, Chandler and and Wellston, and our van started to smoke. And, And not like in a small casual smoke like the youth director roasted the tires and we were going down the road, like smoke. And I'll never forget, the smoke filling in the van, the youth director pulling over the side, the youth director and husband get out, and then encourage all of us to get out. And and it was me and like nine junior high kids. It's so like junior high, like sixth and maybe some seventh graders stumble out of the vehicle. We get out of the vehicle, and, and we're sitting there, and you know, the van's smoking. The transmission had blown up, and and this was before everybody in the van had a cell phone. You know, you go on a youth trip nowadays, almost everybody has a cell phone. Well, that wasn't the case here, and only the youth director had a cell phone. Thank God she had a cell phone, because she called the church and said, hey, here's what happened. And they said, oh, great, we'll be there in two and a half hours to pick you up with the other church van." So what do you do with a bunch of youth sitting on the side of the turnpike there? Um, I'll never forget that spot on Turner Turnpike. Every time I pass it, it always, I always remember that moment. What do you do? I remember one young man just stopping and praying, and then all of a sudden, because you know you've been on the side of the turnpike, cars just (laughs) went, but then all of a sudden, this church van comes out of nowhere, pulls up behind us, says, "Everybody okay?" "Yeah, we're okay." "Where are y'all going?" "We're going Oklahoma City." "Well, that's nice." "So am I." Uh, my, my truck uh, was in the shop, and I had to take the church van so I could do uh, pastoral visits. He was a Baptist minister from Stroud, who saw us on the side of the road and stopped what he was doing. You know, he was on his road. He was tunnel vision, probably, and saw this van and stopped to take care of this youth group. So we left the youth director's husband there, and we all piled in the van. The youth director came with us, and we all went down our road to Oklahoma City University, and we spent the day, the whole day at Oklahoma City University, and it was a fun time getting to see the university, getting to see things I wouldn't normally got to see, and just enjoyed my experience there. But we wouldn't have been able to do that had it not been for that Baptist minister who stopped along the side of the road. And had he been like some of the others in the story and just looking forward and going through the motions, he would have missed us. And I don't know how many cars drove by us. I don't, I, have you ever been on the side of the road and counted the cars of people who, stopped, who didn't stop? And I think what irritates you even more if you've ever been in that situation when you start seeing them wearing their church bumper stickers and you're like, hey, why can't you stop for me? I'm on the side of the road. I'm hurt. I need something. But we've got to be available. We've got to go where needed. We've, we, we've got to do what we can. The third thing that stuck out with me in this story was, man, this, this really does ring true of Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. It's what the Samaritan did. Jesus uses this story as an example for us to how we can do these things. And so what makes this, if we look at the second, the second phase, what, what makes this mysterious or difficult or challenges us to look at the hidden aspects of our values and our lives? Dr. Levine says this, love cannot be restricted. Love cannot be restricted. If we say that we love everyone, we have to model a life that looks that way. Without any kind of strings attached without any reservations. We have to love unrestricted. That's what the Samaritan did, didn't he? And realize like this is a story. This is like Jesus telling a story so that way we can he can convey a message of what does it mean to love our neighbor? To love without restriction. Because what did he do? He took the man, took care of him, bandaged him up, got him on his donkey, took him to an inn. And not only like, like, took him to an inn and took care of him, like, he really took, he set him up. Made sure that he was going to be taken care of. And when we can love unrestrictedly, man, it changes us and it changes the people that we love. We have to be open to those opportunities that may be just on the side of the road. And I love that third thing that she challenges us to think about as we read the parables. What might be better off? We might be better off thinking less about what they mean and more about what they can do, remind, provoke, refine, comfort, or disturb. And when I think about this, I think about uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s 1967 Beyond Vietnam sermon when he says this. We are called to play the Good Samaritan on life's roadside. But that will be only an initial act. One day, the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that men and women will not be beaten and robbed as they make the journey through life. True compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It understands that edifice that produces beggars needs restructuring. What King is saying here is that we have to look at the road too. And we have to find ways to make the road better and safe for those that may be traveling so that way no one can be harmed along the way. And that's what I believe the church is called to do. We're called to make this world a better place. We're called to love unrestrictedly. And we have to look at those things that are causing harm to our neighbors. We have to reform them, restructure them, resurface them to make this world a better place because there are people that are hurting along the way. And are we stopping and tending to them like the Samaritan did? Or are we passing them by like the other religious people did in Jesus' story? This week, you will meet someone on the road show love without restrictions do this and you will live let us pray thank you for listening to talcual 1st United methodist church's sermon podcast we hope you've enjoyed listening to the message and that we hope that you come and check us out at talcualumc.org thank you and we hope you have a blessed week